When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome. Good afternoon. It's the Laurie and Jimmy Show. My Talk 107.1 Everything Entertainment. Thank you so much for joining us. Holly Hollywood. She is in for Julia today. Hello, everybody. Hi, Danny Love. Hi, Holly Hollywood. You're doing double doodum today. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm just hanging around doing my thing here. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. That's so good. And you know what? All week we get to be surprised at what day it is. Because oh, Monday felt like Sunday. Yeah. Oh, so like yeah. today, several times I've been well, wait, delighted. Today is Wednesday, right? I know. Yeah. I was <laughs> delighted. Wait, and some, you're throwing me off. Yeah, <laughs> surprised twice today already. I was just like, wee. It's it's breezing it's, by. It's, it feels that, good. I know. Does I love that's kind of a fun thing about the holidays, sort of having like those couple weeks of the short, short four day week weeks. And, I know next week is going to be a five day week, and I don't really know how I feel about that yet. Well, you know what? Maybe uh, the sub zero uh, stuff will be over and we'll be giddy that it's like 20. I hope it will so. feel 40 degrees warmer than what it's been, uh, and we'll just be delighted about that. But uh, I went outside this morning. I got up really it, early this morning, and I walked outside, and I was like, oh. Damn. Well, it was cold, but I was like, oh, it's not that cold. My fingers aren't on fire. Yeah. And it was 20 degrees warmer than it was, I believe, earlier in this week. So yeah. from negative 14 to like 4, there yeah. was a significant difference between that. And well, the whole country is freezing with us. That's yeah, true. The, I, I saw the Northeast may be hit by what they called a cyclone bomb. Oh. Yes, yeah, a snow thing. Oh. Uh, parts of other parts of the country like have had like sixty inches of snow. Tallahassee has snow. Has snow. Oh. I have a, a girlfriend. Her daughter was going to visit her grandparents. So excited, you know. She's in college. Just got you know the J term or whatever mm-hmm. going, and it was going to be a high of fifty. In Orlando. No. You go there, you have the shorts. Yeah, You're ready to go. Though, you know, Minnesota kids, she'll wear a fleece jacket and shorts and go to the beach and freeze. Yeah. And Uh so I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) Oh, God. But anyway, yeah, it is just, we're all collectively cold together as there's just a lot of crazy things going on in the universe and I'm trying yeah. to practice my zen of trying to relax while at the same time many things make me terrified. Is this a resolution of yours to, really to find re- your zen spot? Uh, I just was, To let go of what you can't control? Yeah, I mean I found 2017 to be stressful really? on oh. a lot of <laughs> levels not just world view for like everybody you know on how the everything. macro level right yes on the macro level thank you but also just like within family stuff and anyway i'm just like go on and so i just thought i'm gonna try and you know just be 
more casual about some of the stuff that's terrifying me. I like this, the casual approach to Armageddon. I mean, yeah. Lori's going to be relaxed, whatever. I, I, I'm already, Take it you as know, it comes. I'm really, I'm trying my best not to freak out. I mean, it's day three of 2018, yeah. and I'm reading some of the headlines, and I, I'm really, I, yeah, I'm really, don't. well, what don't I was going to say is I'm really applauding you, Lori, yeah. for yeah. having your Zen yeah. approach again. All right, I'm just, I'm just trying to do that. I also uh, want to congratulate Steve Patterson. Yes. He's uh, taking over for Marley. We really haven't talked about um, Marley leaving. And I know, Julia, like, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago, or whenever Marley announced it, and I went, you know, wandering around, I said, well, Marley, you know, you might, do you want to have me on your show? We'll be, you know, when you say, she's like, well, okay. Sure. <laughs> so enthusiastic yeah, about that. Yeah, and Julia just, she's like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. Just, I've always I feel very just, fondly. I feel like kind of I'm a like a You've a seen big her start sister. from the beginning here yeah, at my talk like, and she's paved true. her own yeah. path and And I've always like I've always like you know how I like to give coaching advice and maybe contract or you know, I like to help out in a managerial younger, in a manager, way. In You're a manager. like the agent around here. I do. Yes. I want to make sure that people are not getting screwed by the man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> by the man in the suit somewhere in the building. But, well, you know, anyway. Yes. So she, I said to her today, I go, well, I I don't know what the plan is. I know Steve <laughs> is coming in. I know your last day is Friday. And she goes, well, okay, okay so you want to call in? <laughs> <laughs> well, are you? Are you going to do that? Are you going to take her up on her offer? I am, but I really feel like I'm the lady who invited herself to dinner. That's okay. That's because you are. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I was just going to say, again, own that. That's all right. Yeah, I Call did. in. Yeah, and and I, I don't know what, I don't know what we'll talk about, but I think, you know, um, we'll, we'll, figure out something since we are talk show hosts. I, yeah, I mean, you will find some words eventually when you pick up the phone yeah. and call. But Steve Patterson is kind of like a Hoda Kotb here in the Twin Cities with the he double is. shows. That's right. Little Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. yeah little, Jason Matheson. Yes, multiple shows. Multiple. Jeez. Hoda yes. has that. She's got a satellite radio show, right? Hoda yes, Kotb. I have a feeling Hoda will stop the satellite radio as soon mm. as her contract for that yeah. is uh because she does want to see Too her much. little girl and uh i i do think that i mean how long can you get up at that early of the morning and, and then give up, up at, your afternoon right well and don't they get up at two or three in the morning like in order something to like do that. the today show yeah mm-hmm. something yeah. like that so <sighs> anyway i don't know do you think that i should bring up when we're at the goodbye show to marley the famous famous fight that happened on our radio show when she remember when she used to be on our show you talking about the dirt alert fight yeah oh oh yeah yeah. (laughs) okay well now that you've teased it yeah now laura you need to follow through with the story because i don't know the story and if i don't know this story (laughs) yeah then i'm sure there's plenty of other people who don't and it you know but is it tacky to bring up like i it was kind of it was kind of like i I thought it was like probably good radio you know because Uh, no, I just hit under the desk. Yeah, <laughs> Who hit under the desk? Me. Okay. Yeah. Donnie, am I right in thinking it involved Angelina Jolie? It did. Yeah. Okay. And a certain well, movie of yeah, hers, and, I and, believe. And, and, okay. and the other thing is, is that Julia and I have had our biggest fight ever on the air. We've had just like a couple, always Angelina yeah, I, and Jennifer. You guys just have complete 
polar opposite views of Angelina. Well, the not big so one, much well, not so many more, yeah. but the big fight was when Angelina, Julie, and Brad Pitt were getting a divorce, wasn't it? The big throwdown fight between you, Lori, and Julia. Be- between me and Julia? Yeah, about Angelina Jolie during the time when she was getting divorced from Brad Pitt. Well, that was the second time we okay. got in a big oh, fight about okay. We also was- <laughs> got in a big, got in big, a couple big fights about it early days when Angelina and Brad, ah, after they were married and after they had children. Julia sure. was, was still holding the grudge, the grudge like four children later. And yeah, I was just Steeler. like, you're just like, let it go. Let it it is, go. We've moved on. We've moved on. So anyway, all right, listen, we come back. It's our story we can't get enough of it, and we're just going to call it, it's happening Sunday, the Goth Globes. Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with us on this Wednesday. It's nice and blue out, which means it's nice and cold out. So, you know, thank goodness for heated seats if you got them. And hand warmers if you don't. Uh, Yeah. You know, those things work. Stuff those hand warmers in all sorts of places. Mm -hmm. I I gave uh, my nephew some hand warmers. I'm like, you boys... Don't preheat your car. I know you don't because you don't want to waste any gas. You need some hand warmers. You should keep them in your safety kit in the back of your car. Okay, so this story was in the Hollywood Reporter um, uh, today, and it's just, it is about, uh, and they're calling it the Goth Globes, (laughs) um, where in December, I think we started talking about it, that um, there's a plan an idea, let's wear black in solidarity at the Golden Globes um, because of, you know, to protest gender inequality in Hollywood, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and they said, oh, and then the guys were going to get involved and we're like, well, they pretty much always were black anyway. And Thanks. I know Rose McGowan, uh, she didn't like it. She was like, why do we have to wear black? She didn't like that the females were wearing black. Yeah, like, what are we doing? And I know Julia has felt she didn't like it at all. She's like, why can't we just celebrate who we are? Why do we have to? Why does everyone have to dress like they're going to some damn funeral? (laughs) But now nobody knows how to get out of it. And I think where this started was with the Big Little Lies actresses, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Laura Dern to acknowledge the cultural awakening that happened sure. is happening in the country. So they don't know how to stop it from happening. Okay. Okay. So um, so most image makers, and let's just call the people that are, you know. The stylists yeah, and the stars. And they don't want to spoil the impact. They are keeping their Golden Globe dresses, and there is a run on black dresses. Because all kinds of people have dresses that are made that are well. The good news is that for the Critics' Choice, which Olivia Munn got the hosting job, so yeah, I saw that this afternoon. Kind her of interesting, but she spoke out about the Harvey Weinstein that well, you she know was the her Brett, Ratner. Ratner, Brett Ratner. So mm-hmm. you know, I think okay, good for them. They're picking somebody, and she's yes. like you said, she's going to host it. But we're going to see. More amazing gowns at the Screen Actor Guild Awards on January 21st and the Critics' Choice because people who would normally be wearing their fun, festive Golden Globe are going to shift it yes to one of those two shows yeah because usually the golden globes are like the b-list dresses to the a-list oscar dresses but they're still fun, fun. they're still designer yeah you're probably right we're gonna see a lot of good sag gowns we are we're gonna which have is an, exciting which is really exciting and critics choice is also a show that's broadcast so i think that 
the really good gowns, if they're not sure if there'll be an Oscar now, will be worn at the Screen Actor Guild because that show keeps getting bigger and bigger audience as far as it. I mean, last year we shared carpet space next to Russia and China. Yeah, it's huge. It's global. And I mean, they've never been on the red carpet before. I told Julia, I said, I'm worried about our spot on the carpet. We're getting edged out by countries, (laughs) you know, that have entertainment shows. Oh, of course. You know, there used to be sponsored television shows. So anyway, so yeah, the fashion frenzy has really started and people are shelving their you know, the handmade gowns and fuchsia and turquoise and blood red well, it'll be and gold interesting and to mauve. see how celebrities interpret this dressing black on the red carpet. Okay. Like, I think, how are they going to put their spin on it? Well, I th- it'll be a sea of black. Yep. yep. I think that there will be big statement earrings and okay. or necklaces. Oh, kind of like Angelina Jolie's black dress from the Oscars where she wore those big emerald earrings. Yeah, well, actually, yes. That, the black dress with the leg. Yes, with the leg. With the leg, leg, the yeah, the leg yeah. of doom. So people are going to accessorize and use cut, volume, glitter, yes. other things. Low backs, splits. Mm-hmm. They're probably redoing some of the black dresses. Yeah. Maybe we're going to see more people carry statement clutches or something yeah i was thinking some kind of accessories jewelry so we're gonna get that's what we're gonna get and but i don't i hope that i hope what doesn't happen i hope that we are not going to judge the women who didn't wear black no i don't want that to happen you know like i hope that doesn't happen because it's somebody's choice whether or not they want to participate in this it's not mandatory no shouldn't be like i personally if i look back on all the years of Going to the Screen Actor Guild Awards, uh-huh. I bet I have worn black. Um, out of the 10 years Monique Lulier dressed us, probably six of those were black. And then post Monique Lulier, more black than not. But mm-hmm. I like how black looks on me. I like a black gown, but a lot, not everybody even looks good in black, which right. I would just it's be true. horrified if I didn't look good in black because <laughs> it's one of my go to. <laughs> Colors, but you know, someone. So I hope there isn't any judging if someone does decide to wear bright magenta or you know a fuchsia. I sure. hope that there's not going to be any of that. Who does the red like, carpet? Is that E? E will have e. a red okay. carpet, and they and have then the red NBC. carpet. So it kind of cuts down on the what are you wearing. Well, no, people you know, will still want to know. It'll still be, yeah, what black dress yeah, would People be. will still people be still asking. Know. You know, it kind of reminds me of the Oscars back in 2003 when people were pretty subdued with their red carpet choices yes. back when the Iraq War started. Yes, Remember, Nicole right. Kidman won the Oscar for the hours and yep. she wore a yeah. simple black dress. Yeah. So, you know, let's, I, I hope that that's, you know, People can, cho- yeah. People can choose what they people want to can wear, choose. and we will accept whatever you wear. Um, this is really funny, Holly, and I have to share it with you because you, you did see the Last Jedi. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, 
Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Right? Oh, of course, yes. Okay, so you know Kylo Ren, the scene where he, and this is really not a spoiler, but Kylo Ren, played by Adam Driver, is in... Um, He's in no part, shirt. Yeah, he's in part of his costume, and then he has no top on and, and high waisted pants. Very high waisted <laughs> pants, like pants we've seen. You know, Prince was often very fond of wearing, or Tony Curtis was oh, fond of I wearing. I was thinking that high waisted dance Curtis. pants. Yeah, I, Tony. Okay. I know you're going <laughs> with the Tony from? Curtis reference. Well, she has a picture of Tony Curtis wearing high waisted pants. Prince, Prince yes. loved his high waisted pants. He loved that. You know, uh, um, see the I, dancer pant, and so John. Mm-hmm. John Mayer has tried to get going the Kylo Ren challenge, hashtag Kylo Ren challenge. If you're bored on Instagram or Twitter, there are, I'm giving some really, there are some very funny, creative challenges that are out there. And um, Kylo, you can do it too. Yeah, um, you could do it too. But I do think <laughs> Prince did the high waisted pan best. Ditto. Oh, yeah. Patrick Swayze oh, in Dirty Dancing. Yes. If without the shirt. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of like a man corset going on with Kylo Ren. Yes, because that's part of his big uh, outfit that he wears is being the baddie. But I, but, watching but it, that scene, you're like, oh, hey, there's nudity here. I know. And, and we get to ogle him with his shirt off. But I mean, was it telling good. us anything? Was it advancing the storyline? The fact that Kylo Ren was talking to... Um, uh, what the hell is her name? Daisy Ridley. Ray. 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 Oh, these names. I thought that the him not wearing his shirt when he was talking w- was to her to was... Was it to Spellbinder? I just thought it was kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Spellbinder. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. Well, yeah. I thought... He's trying to cast a spell on her because I'm spellbound. I, I mean, I was spellbound too because Adam Driver, he can act without his shirt on any day. But yeah. I think it was showing his character's vulnerability because usually he's in the mask and the outfit. Oh. But he was talking to her in a showing vulnerable... Showing her his nipples. <laughs> his Vulnerable <laughs> nipples. Of his vul- you know? No, but I think I'm like, what is he trying to do? cast a spell? on her i was like it was there sexual tension well see that's interesting that you bring that up Lori, because i didn't know whether or not we were supposed to perceive that as being kind of sexual tension well, but i ultimately I don't, don't think it was i think it was oh you th- well i think you had sexual tension watching him on the screen but i felt like i felt it coming from her does she not know that that's her brother or something is that her brother no, i don't it's, know okay. no not her no brother. not a brother okay, well, not then her brother. there could be sexual tension <laughs> okay. with ray and kylo ren Come Come on now, okay. everybody. All right, geez, Louise. What did we learn there? God globes no and hashtag Kylo Ren challenge. We did learn something. When we come back, we're talking to an author in Australia. My time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. We want to say hello to Ashley Hay, who um, her latest novel, 100 Small Lessons, um, we just finished. And we're saying hello to you in Australia. Hello. Hi there, how are you? Ashley, we are good. Yes. We we loved a hundred small lessons. It's such a good oh, uh, thank you. Such a good book. If you would uh, share just give us an introduction, a setup of the story. Sure. The book uh, follows the lives of two women, uh, an older woman called Lucy or called Elsie, sorry, who mm-hmm. has to move out of her home as lots of elderly people do these days. And then a younger woman called Lucy who moves into the house after her. And it follows their lives through 
uh, one summer in Brisbane where the house is in Australia, which is also where I am, um, Lucy kind of coming into the experience of motherhood and Elsie at the other end of her life going out of it. And it's about the intersections and and sort of strange crossovers that um, that they find between themselves. All in the common thing of of the house, and you and you do you do think about that, you know, when you've lived someplace in a home for a long time. There is a real a real sadness about leaving, and people leave in different circumstances. And there's always a hope that a a family that loves it as much as your family did will live there. It's weird, right? I think it's it's the difference between a house and a home, isn't it? You know, yeah. I think. You know, often the way we talk about houses these days is, is very much in terms of, you know, real estate markets and property prices and all those sorts of things. And, and I think part of what I wanted to do was, um, was look at how a lot of us do feel about the places that we live, which is there's a much more emotional connection. And there's a sense that maybe, maybe the people that were in a home before us, you know, maybe some of their life is, can be kind of transmitted to us in a way. It can be kind of pressed into the house and then passed back to us again. It's it's a lot more than um, than just the kind of bricks and mortar stuff, I guess. It really is. And, and Holly and I, uh, who's doing the show with me today, instead of Julia, we were talking about how mm-hmm. Elsie Gormley, the woman who leaves her home that she's lived in for more than 60 years, she reminds us both of like our grandmothers. Yes. We feel very, very fondly <laughs> oh, towards her. My goodness, just even in oh. the opening scenes of the book with Elsie, I mean, it really made me empathize with elder members of my family and, and the things that they could possibly be thinking about and going through in their everyday lives, specifically the way that she reflects on things of her past. Mm, thank you for that. That that really means a lot to me. Look, I. I fell in love with Elsie. I, um, I've written a number of novels now and a number of non-fiction books as well. And, and Elsie and Lucy, the characters in this particular book, I miss them more than any characters I've written before. And I think part of what I was hoping the book would do would be allow you to kind of slip into these, slip into these other characters' shoes. So, you know, I'm a... I'm a 47-year-old woman. I, I don't have Elsie's experience. But it's always struck me, you know, a lot of elderly people now, um, they have a fall, they have another fall. Suddenly they're being moved out of their home. They've got to go and live in, you know, in some kind of facility or some mm-hmm. kind of aged care place. And I started to think about the fact that for a lot of them, when they leave their home, if they've fallen or if something bad has happened, they don't know that they're leaving for the last time. They, they're sort of taken out. There's been an injury or there's been an incident. Right. And often that's it. They don't get to go home in any meaningful way. Right. And I started to think about just how, how strange that is and how, well, how strange that would be for any of us to, to, to go out of our front door you know, one day, not knowing that we weren't going to be able to go back into it again. And Elsie spends quite a lot of the book, um, you know, thinking about how she can get home. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is just imaginatively. Part of that is her memories and her memories of her, her family life in the house. Um, part of it is just little simple things like, you know, trying to talk someone into driving, doing a drive-by so yes. she can see what's happening to it and then there's the question of whether she's actually whether she's actually trying to walk back there herself and it it seemed to me that if i was another 40 years older than i am and and i had to get out of my place and and couldn't live here anymore 
they're the sorts of things that I, I would be thinking about. I would have that real kind of longing for return, partly just to see the place, but also, you know, with the idea that maybe I would somehow be able to return to that old life. And that's, that's part of it as well, I guess, in the, the kind of processes of aging and, and change right. that, that the women are going through. So, yeah, it's, it's all pretty common human stuff, I think. It is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also, um, I enjoyed how you tell the two stories of Lucy Kiss and her husband and her son mm-hmm. who now live in Elsie's home. And I get the, I mean, I've never had children. Ashley, we're talking to Ashley Hay, her book, 100 Small Lessons. I've had, you know, bonus kids that have come into my life at 11 yeah. and 13, but I've never had that motherhood experience. And I was really struck at, you know, and even with Elsie's relationship with her daughter, that mm. mother the, about, you know, motherhood isn't for everybody always feels like the happy dance that it's sometimes presented as. Like it's oh, just going to be the best thing yeah, ever yeah. and that you'll never have a moment. It's a very realistic <laughs> and sort of a, like it made me appreciate moms in a whole other way. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Look, I think it's, you know, my experience of motherhood is it's it's fabulous and, and that's great mostly. But of course, some days it's not fabulous right. or it's complicated or it's whatever. But I think part of what I wanted to think about was, you know, we understand a lot that, that our experience as mothers is different than the generation before us or the generation before them. We kind of get the generational difference and, and how opportunities and um, expectations have changed. Mm-hmm. But it struck me too that in every generation of women, you know, women are still individuals in there. So it's not just that you would mother in a way that fitted your generation. Right. Also, you would bring to it your own personality, your own desires, your own dreams, your own fears, your own relationships with other people. And all of those things would would sort of would play out in how you then came to this idea of mothering. So for Elsie, all she has ever wanted to do is be a mother and she has twins she has been quite early as a quite a young woman, mm-hmm. as someone in the 1940s would have. And it, it absolutely defines her. Her daughter, Elaine, follows almost exactly the same pattern of life, has a child at almost exactly the same age. It just isn't really what Elaine wants to do. But she doesn't have the language to... She doesn't have the language to kind of enunciate that or to even say very clearly what it is she would rather do. She kind of gets that conversation together at one stage, but, but not in a way that can actually affect change in her life. And probably for a lot of women, not just in the 1960s, but now there would be women who would, who would find a lot to relate to with that. Oh, I for think Lucy, so. Yeah. You know, she's, she's an older mother, as lots of women my age are. You know, mm-hmm. we came to it much later. We got a long way through our 30s doing, doing other things. And so she has this kind of complicated relationship of, of having to manage something she's excited to do, but something that's nonetheless a very big change. And she's doing it also uh, in the context of coming to live in a in new, new city. Town, she's yeah. also moved to, that's right, so mm-hmm. she's moved to a new city as well. And, and I think it, it was a really nice metaphor to work with, the idea of, 
you know, I, I could write about her coming to live in Brisbane, coming to live in a new place, but motherhood is a new place as well. It's kind of, it's another new country that you arrive in. And all of us, <laughs> all of us do that traveling differently, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how you say that. It, it is that. I'm also just curious about Lucy is fascinated by this idea of imagining her other selves. I don't know how to, is it a yeah. Swedish word? Vardigars? It's a, it's a Finnish word. Vardigar. I think it's Vardigar. I, I, okay. I have actually never heard anyone other than me say it. Say it, so okay. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I think, so the Vardigar is this idea of a, um, of a kind of, uh, a sort of spirit self that is just ahead of you doing what you will do. So it's not quite a doppelganger, but it's, it's like that idea. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm interested in in motherhood is, you know, maybe it's partly to do with being a novelist. I have a pretty overactive imagination, but you're constantly, you're constantly aware of things that might happen, both great things, but also not so great things. And I started thinking about, giving Lucy this sense of herself which is just a little bit ahead of her and, you know, sort of either knows that everything is going to work out okay, knows that, you know, her son isn't going to fall off a step or, you know, do something like that. But then I started thinking about all those other little fantasies we have of all the other people we might be if we'd gone to live in a different city, if we'd married a different person, if we'd had kids at a different time or we hadn't had kids at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we all have those kind of private, um, you know, quantum physics fantasies of all the other universes we might be living in and all the other different lives. So Lucy is, Lucy's span of time in the novel is quite short. She's in a very wet summer in Brisbane. We get kind of tropical summers yeah. here, so we just get those summers where the rain just goes on. <laughs> and she's stuck in a very little house with a very small boy um, in this new place. And I thought, well, that's kind of the obvious time when you'd start thinking, hey, what if I'd gone and lived in London? What mm-hmm. if I'd married that guy I went out with you know, mm-hmm. 15 years ago. What if, what if I was some other person? And the Vardiga was like a short-term spirit creature that could reassure her it about works. what she was doing. It works so well. Yeah. And a long one as well. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Thank well, you. I think we all secretly have them. Ashley, oh, we could talk to you all damn day. Now, do you know Nicole Kidman by any chance? Is she going to make <laughs> I, your... I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> uh, is she going to... Have any of your books been made into a movie? No, no, they haven't. What about uh, the railway man's idea. wife? What about that one? No, I know that would be. Look, I think that would be fantastic, but no, no <laughs> movement on that front. I need to. Yeah, I need something. I need a Vardiga to kind of go out there and make that happen for me. I you think. do. My yeah. gosh. Anyway, well, we. Uh, you also have written The Body in the Clouds. People have liked that book, The mm-hmm. Railway Man's Wife. This book is 100 yep. Small Lessons. Uh, we just have to ask you before we let you go, and thank you for writing. You're wonderful. What's the last great book you read? Oh, do you know, I'm rereading everything by Michael Ondaatje at the moment. So I've just read his book, Running in the Family, which is wonderful. I read it about 25 years ago, and I I just finished reading it again last night. And it's just this magic family memoir of a crazy, crazy set of people in Sri Lanka. It's it's absolutely wonderful. And he's the. It's from a poem that you got your title, A Hundred Small Lessons, a Michael Ondaatje. That's Andachi right. Poem. It was from a Michael Ondaatje poem. Yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm sort of doing a full a full Michael Ondaatje immersion at the moment, which is. 
it's my summer treat to myself here in Australia. Oh, that's um, great. It's It's, pretty fabulous. It's summer. All right. Uh, Thank you so much, Ashley. We really appreciate having you with us today to talk about your book. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, bye. All right, we've got a couple copies of 100 Small Lessons to give away. 651-641-1071. And when we come back, um, oh, we're kind of excited for two different TV shows that are coming back tonight. It's awards season. Oh, Sam, you are very good at saying goodbye, but don't say goodbye to my talk 1071. Just keep it here all day long. And by the way, by the way, we are going to just have a conniption at five o'clock. We're just really we are a little bit. I am so sick of just. I'm Bradley Trainer and I'm Don McLean. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like this: A list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Timberlake stealing Jessica Biel's thunder all the time. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Ah, I know. She you're is going nominated for a Golden Globe. She is for The Sinner, which was a great show. She produced it. She found it. It's her night. What does he what's he gonna do? Drop his new song called Filthy on Friday completely. He couldn't have dropped it on Monday. It wouldn't make any difference. He's already playing at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Shame on you, Justin Timberlake. I hope he doesn't Woo! show up to the Golden Globes. He Do you think will. that he's going to? Oh, are you kidding? Oh, carpet, if you I, I don't want him to. I hope I she puts her foot down, but I think he can't resist it. He's nervous about Man in the Woods, his terribly named Well, as he should Joanne be a album. nervous. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just like really, I've got all the examples of all the times he stole her thunder, not to mention... We never forget how we threw Janet Jackson under the bus. Never. I'm with never you, forget. Lori. Okay, yeah. so uh, before we move on to a couple of TV shows that we're excited about, Donnie did post the best Versace Golden Globe dresses of all yes. time because we are having the goth globes. It's going to be mostly black dresses. Yeah. It's a beautiful gallery. I forget, you forget sometimes how many of the wow gowns. Versace. Oh, that Drew Barrymore dress where it looks like she has the sea urchin on her shoulder. But it was so fabulous. Her hair, her makeup, the clutch, the kind of studded armored uh, white Grecian dress that Nicole Kidman wore. Oh, that green Angelina Jolie Jolie dress with the sleeves. Reese Witherspoon in a beautiful yellow one post uh, Ryan Philippi and the one and only time Heidi Klum looked classy (laughs) on a red carpet in the red Versace gown that's amazing. Halle Berry. It's really fun. Oh, Kate Hudson. I love that dress from her. That was amazing. Yes. She is that, that's one of the, my favorite, favorite Kate Hudson dresses. You got to go look at this gallery. Is it the gold one where it's lo- kind of a wrap dress almost? Well, it's very like a gown. low cut. Low it's cut. and it's a bias cut, and she just it, she's riding that whole almost famous rock chick glow. And she has the perfect breast to not wear a bra. Yes, yeah. and she doesn't need to. It looks beautiful. We've seen her in person the year she wore the white Versace. At the Screen Actor Guild Awards, it was what she came by. We couldn't believe how high and tight her butt was. <laughs> and we couldn't, 
We were just completely, it was like the first time we met Sofia Vergara's breasts on the red Hello, carpet. nice to meet you. Nice Whoa. to meet you. No, because she, she's tall and they stared us right in the eye. And it was first, I just said, oh my gosh, you have amazing breasts. I mean, now I can never say that, but that was 13 years ago. It was a different time. Yes. You know, the good old days. When, uh, anyway, but look at those dresses. And we also posted uh, Mr. and Miss Golden Globes. Although, have we had that many guys yet? Only a couple. Uh, Yeah. A few. A few. A few. And then if you want to see pretty colorful dresses, some of the stars who were at the Palm Springs Film Festival, which Mary Hart is the... Um, she's the MC of it for years and years. She is lives she in Palm still Springs. Doing, is the MC duties? Yeah, uh, Donnie posted that, and Salma Ooh. Hayek is wearing an amazing green, green dress. Yes, that she uh, she could wear a lot better dresses with her husband owning Louis Vuitton. I do not understand why Salma Hayek always goes for the flouncy Gucci. Weird bow things with the high collars and the overlace. I mean, this is still kind of lacy Gucci, but at least, at it, least it shows off. Yeah, she's her figure and and yeah, her, and her ample. Bosom. She's too <laughs> tiny to always. She likes to wear the tall lady dresses. Totally, she likes to wear the dresses that Nicole Kidman can pull off or yes, Charlize Theron. But she is like five four in her high heels. She just doesn't have. The she, neck or the length of arm yeah, and waist. Yeah, you need to have a statuesque figure in order to pull those off. Hey, yeah. Suzanne Summers is in this catalog. A lot of leg. <laughs> you know what? I do not I, like that look on Suzanne Summers. It she's is, all shoulders. She's and all then shoulders. She goes down into yeah. a V. Yeah. No, no, no. But, yeah, but you know, she, yeah. she's just around the corner from the film festival. Oh, how nice of her to drop by. Yeah, she dropped by. Gal Gadot in yellow looks lovely. Oh, yes. Yeah, but fashion, as you can tell, Gal does not give a fig Newton. No, No, she she gets a stylist to slap something on her and she'll go out. She's fine. She always does simple hair. She just, she's cool with just wearing whatever. This is part of the job. Yeah, it is. That's the impression I get from Gal. She just does it. Okay. So, uh, X Files comes back tonight. This will be it, I believe. Well, it's it you for think that's what Jillian they said Anderson last season. Jillian has confirmed to TV Insider she's done. Okay. Scully is done. Then she's, I think the show should be done too. I yeah, agree. I do too. She said, I've said from the beginning, this is it for me. I was a bit surprised by people's shocked reaction to my announcement because my understanding that it was just a single season. So the fact she did the second season. Chris Carter isn't saying if it's going to be the end, but remember in X-Files way long ago, if you're a longtime fan, when they tried to do Scully and Mulder without... Without yes, Mulder. Without Jillian Anderson. And they did it with the T-1000 guy. I can't terrible. remember his name. Robert's, Robert Patrick? Robert Robert like Patrick. Something? Is it Robert Patrick? Yeah. Yes, they brought T-1000. In the woman from, uh, Annabeth Gish. Annabeth Gish. Yes, yes yeah. I remember no. that. No, no. Don't, so, anyway, yeah, I think that um, Scully is J- uh, Jillian Anderson. She fought for pay equity. Good. And she got it, right? And she got it. Wow. And she deserves it. And she did it. And um, she just couldn't believe that she had to, you know... That it took her much, and it wasn't until the reboot, and um, and really only two out of the um, two hundred and seven original X Files were ever directed by a woman. She's long been kind of after Chris Carter to explore more because I think if I mean it doesn't work that 
TV show doesn't work without both Scully and Mulder. No, of course not. You can't have one without the other. So anyway, but it comes back tonight on Fox. I hope it's going to be good. We have no idea. I think the first season, there were six episodes I thought like I, I don't know how many are, are in this. Just like six. I bet. It it's six? a short. Yeah. No. It's a short. And by the way, Duchovny, if you're wondering who he's dating, oh, who is he Monique dating? Pendleberry, a 24 year old who who I don't know if she lives in Vancouver. Yeah, no, it's David Duchovny, Donnie. Oh, yeah, this right, is very yeah. par for the course. He's still playing his character from that California occasion. Yeah, she's a former University of California soccer star. Mm-hmm. Oh, is she now? Yeah, and they've been dating since October. So oh, that's I bet going they're on. having lovely fun in Venice Beach. And the other show I'm excited about that's on tonight is Grownish with Yara Shahidi from Blackish, and it's ah, going to be on yes. Freeform. Okay, this was trending this afternoon. Yes. Tell me about it. And can okay so. So uh, Kenya Barris, you know, who created with Anthony Anderson Blackish, he told Vanity Fair that for him, Grownish, he's comparing it to a different world, which was the spinoff from the, the Cosby, Cosby show. show. Right. He said a different world was for me, uh, uh, responsible for me going to college. I wanted to go to a black college. I wanted to get it out of L.A. And even though Blackish took my career to the next level, for me personally, this show matters more career wise than Blackish. It's not my family story, but it's contemporarily a story about millennials who are coming of age right now, and we haven't seen that on a TV show. Hmm. Uh, okay. In the I'm college in. eyes. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And uh, to be on the cusp of adulthood right now in this world, the way it is, the way, you know, that the, the kids that are in college, they've never known anything other than the world as it is so they can't imagine it any other way pre-social media pre-technology they've always had the internet yeah so i'm excited it's on freeform which is the old abc family which is Lori's favorite network i love it outside of the cw yara shahidi was on gma and she's just so darling and um she looks yeah it seems very delightful yeah she talked to us last year at the screen actor guild awards when we yelled at her we're from minnesota she Pity on us. And she took pity, pity on, on us. That's, what uh, well, that's all. That's what we're looking work for. All the angles. So anyway, I think uh, you know. I think that both of those shows, two good TV shows to check out tonight right. for Great. the longtime fans. And um, oh, what are we going to come back with? Oh, Donnie has a damn new game for us. I'm, just, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. New game and, for you. And I like that Al Roker clapped back at the guy who complained yes. about Hoda Copy. He was looking for a seasoned man to sit next to Zavanna, and he Ooh. said, you're looking for a steak, not an acre. <laughs> Go, Al! <laughs> stir that caipirinha! <laughs>